0: Well, good evening, Redeemer. We're glad you can join us for this time of worship tonight, and uh, hope you enjoyed your uh, day of rest and uh, uh, can close the Lord's Day uh, together in worship. We have a very special night of our uh, evening of praise, and uh, we're just looking forward to a great time of uh, honoring our great God and, and uh, lifting high His name together. And as we uh, do that, we uh, will also complete our night by enjoying some time around the table. If you are uh, visiting with us, we hope you can stick around and uh, get to know a few more people um, who are here and uh, make uh, a few new friends. And uh, we'd love to meet you. Please introduce yourself. We'd love to know that you were with us. And another way you can do that is just texting the word welcome to the number that's on the screen or completing the connect card, which is a paper version in the uh, seat uh, pocket in front of you. Just Fill it out, put it in the offering plate, and then we know that you were with us uh, tonight. Uh, Next Sunday night, we have an opportunity to hear from uh, John Bowie, who is uh, the superintendent of the Potter's House, one of the ministries locally that we uh, partner with, and I would love to have you uh, here to uh, uh, hear more about what he's doing. His report will come at the conclusion of next Sunday evening's uh, worship service. Uh, Tonight, we have our middle school youth group meeting after service, uh, so there will be uh, getting together uh, in the youth room as normal, and then uh, we wanted to have you save the date in your calendar for our um, uh, town hall meeting that we're going to be having on the first Sunday of November, November 5th, and uh, you can see more details in the bulletin insert about that. Uh, we'd just love to have you kind of think through some questions that you'd like to ask, and you can submit those uh, in the boxes that are near the mailbox, and I uh, would love to have your participation in come to that lunch uh, right after the morning service. So that's all my announcements. Let's take this moment and prepare our hearts as we come before our God. are here tonight to exalt the name of our God and his word above all things. We hear from Psalm 113, praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Well, this is a Beautiful season for enjoying God's creation and it's our Father's world. Let us stand and praise him together. God, we are so thankful that you have provided this time that we can be together to praise your holy name, to exalt your word above all things, to know uh, that your, by your word, you created all things by your infinite power, and that we look forward to that day, Lord, we are just in awe of the possibility, and we know that when Jesus returns, you will once again return heaven and earth to be one, and that we will be with you Uh, forevermore. And we look forward to that time. And we ask that as your spirit works uh, in our hearts, Lord, that you would help us in this time of worship to bring you all of the praise that you are worthy of. Amen.
1: Please be seated. This evening's mission's prayer is for Words of Hope. Their mission is to provide people across the globe with daily access to the gospel. Our support for this organization allows them to provide scripture and daily devotionals to people in their native languages. Please join me in prayer. Father, thank you for Words of Hope and the work they do in spreading your word throughout the world in different languages. Continue to be with the staff and give them encouragement and joy in their work. Specifically, we pray for the team in Albania who are working on a daily devotional project. Help them in their efforts to train authors and use this to bring many in that area to Christ. Also, we pray for South Sudan and Niger where there is much unrest and internal conflicts between tribes and also government and military overreach. Use your people in those areas to show the love of Christ and the grace and forgiveness that is found in you alone. We thank you for this organization that, like this that helps spread your word throughout your world, and we pray that more would come to faith in Christ through their work. All these things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
2: Please join me in a prayer of thanksgiving Father what a great opportunity it is to sing your praise Lord so often we take it for granted this opportunity to come into your house and to sing praises to your name Lord not only do we have this opportunity tonight but we had it this morning as well and so often we take for granted that we are able to do this without persecution or challenge it becomes just rote for us we do it every Sunday Lord, we ask that we do not take it for granted and realize that there are many around this world who are being persecuted just for saying your name. Lord, now we ask that your spirit be upon Pastor Jeff as he prepares to bring us your word. Lord, and we ask that the spirit be upon our hearts as well, that our hearts may be softened, our heads may be open, our ears ready to listen to this word. Lord, and now as we give our gifts in this time of offering, Lord, we ask that you bless the gift and the giver alike as we return just a portion of the many blessings that you have given to us. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Tonight, we'll be turning in our Bibles to Revelation chapter five, uh, 15. Revelation chapter 15, and I'll read the first four verses of Revelation chapter 15. On Sunday evenings, I've been going through the Westminster Shorter Catechism t- teaching on the Ten Commandments, and tonight we're considering the Third Commandment. So I'd like to read this passage first, then talk about a couple of the explanations of the Third Commandment found in the Westminster Shorter Confession or the short catechism, rather, and then I'll be preaching on these first four verses. So from Revelation chapter 15, the first four verses, hear the word of God. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And then, as I said, a few questions from the Westminster Shorter. First, what is the third commandment? The answer is the third commandment is, You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. Of course, that's from Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Question 54 is, what is required in the third commandment? The third commandment requires the holy and reverent use of God's name, names, titles, attributes, ordinances, word, and works. What is forbidden in the third commandment? The third commandment forbids all profaning or abusing of anything whereby God makes himself known. And then finally, what is the reason attached to the third commandment? The reason attached to the third commandment is... That however the breakers of this commandment may escape punishment from men, yet the Lord our God will not allow them to escape his righteous judgment. This is our catechism's explanation of the third commandment. I'm going to take you back a number of years. When I was in law school, I came to property class and I was a little bit late. I had missed which room it was in. So when I came in, there was only a seat or two left in the classroom. And I sat down to a young woman that I had not met before. So when I sat down, I said, hello, my name is Jeff. She said, hello, my name is Kelly. And the class began. Over the course of that day and then the following week or two, I began asking her a few other questions. As I did the other classmates, where are you from? Of course, can you tell me a little bit about your interest in law? And it took nearly two weeks before she told me her last name. Her first name was Kelly Her last name was Ferenz. If you know anything about the University of Iowa, you will realize that that last name is also the name of the head football coach of the university, a man who's been at the university for a very long time, now the longest-serving coach in the Big Ten, also someone who's been incredibly successful. And when I asked her why she didn't tell me earlier why her last name was Ferenz, she said, Our last name carries with it a lot of baggage. Names are like that. They are not just the name that we were assigned when we were born, but over time, our names accumulate the reputation that we have earned. So that when the third commandment says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, it is not speaking simply of the names of God. Whether it is the name Yahweh that I understand the kids in Sunday school learned about this morning, or whether it is the attributes of God, God is holy, he's just, he's righteous, he's true, or whether it is the works of God that reflect what he has done, God is shepherd, he is king, he is ruler. All of those terms refer to the reputation of God. So that when the third commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, it is saying, consider God for all that he is and don't take that lightly. And tonight in one of those passages that may strike you as a bit unusual in connection with the third commandment, I want to explain to you what it means to take God as seriously as those who have passed on before us into eternity are taking him right now. And that comes from, as we have read, Revelation chapter 15, the first four verses. And I want to start by talking a little bit about those who are already there gathered around that throne. The first verse introduces us to what's happening, and we jump right into the middle of the book of Revelation. If you understand, Revelation is a series of visions that John has that explain to the churches that are addressed at the beginning of the book and to our church as well. Not simply what has taken place, but what is taking place and what will take place between the time of Jesus' ascension and his return. And that first verse captures some of what John has already spoken about where he says, I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels the seven plagues, which are the last, for with them, the wrath of God is finished. John has already explained the coming wrath of God, and now he is saying, and here's one more thing you need to know about the wrath of God against sin that will be released against the ungodly. And against sort of that backdrop, we have an explanation of those who have gone before us into glory, who are not the objects of God's punishment, but instead are those who have already conquered death itself. He says in verse two, I saw what appeared to be a sea mingled with fire and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name standing beside the sea of glass with the harps of God in their hands and they sing the song of Moses. The second thing I want to explain to you tonight is what they are singing. The first thing I want to explain to you is who they are. If I could just put it in a word, they are the saved. They have conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, and they are standing before the throne of God. If you've read through the book of Revelation before, you'll realize that this refers back to chapter 13. And there we saw the beast and its prophet, and he was, it was his state of purpose to confuse, oppose, and harm God's people. Ultimately, the Task of the beast, his mission in this world was to drive God's people away from God Himself. If that seems a little bit foreign to you, maybe you've read C.S. Lewis, his book called The Screwtape Letters. In that book, we read about a conversation between an older demon and a younger demon, Screwtape, and then his protege. And the two demons try to figure out how to drive a wedge between the people of God and God Himself. It's a fictional book, of course. But it is built in the idea that is found here in Revelation chapter 15. Sometimes those attempts are subtle. Sometimes the attacks are very overt. But it is the same goal, the same motive, and the same end. To get these people away from God. And now in Revelation chapter 15, we see a picture of those who have overcome. The presence of these saints in eternity says to us, yes, God preserves and he overcomes. They lived in this world. They were opposed by the evil one. They all suffered, but they went from this life to the next. Again, since Revelation talks in pictures, it may be helpful for me to reference another place in the Scripture that talks more overtly about those who suffered. Think Hebrews 11, verses 35 through 38. There the writer says, "...some were tortured, refusing to accept release." so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mockery and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, stoned. they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. And they wandered about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. That is probably in the Bible the most overt, the most clear description of those saints who had suffered in this world and are now standing around the throne of God, those who are described as those who have overcome. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the description that I just read comes from there. The entire chapter is about the faith of God's people, faith in God Himself. That their faith was not foolish. In the middle of all kinds of suffering, it was a well-grounded certainty. The argument of that chapter is that they were right to put their faith in God. And even though their time in this world, maybe your time in this world, certainly the time of people across the world who believe in Jesus Christ and suffer unbearable and unimaginable suffering may seem beyond our imaginations incredibly difficult Revelation 15 stands as evidence that God is capable, that God possesses all power in the universe to bring his people through suffering and into his presence in eternity. So that whatever suffering you might have tonight, even if it falls short short of running around the desert with people chasing you, But it is truly suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. It could be physical suffering. It could be spiritual suffering, whatever it is. This passage exists to tell you you are not foolish for putting your trust in the God who reigns. And if you don't believe it yet, we could turn one chapter prior in Revelation 14. Where the writer there again says, look, there are the saints gathered around the throne of the Lamb. There they are at his presence. The victory over Jesus, the victory of Jesus over the power of sin and death is clearly displayed. And then in this chapter it says, and they are standing beside this sea of glass. And so I don't want you to hesitate in your mind this afternoon to really see the saved of God and the victory The victory they have attained over the beast and his image and the harm and let me just encourage you to be patient in the middle of what you're walking through at this moment no matter how difficult how painful as much as you are suffering those saints that are described in this chapter beside the sea of crystal these are your brothers and sisters in the lord those who have gone on before They are the saved. The second way I might describe them to you is that they are also the separated. Because in these verses, we read about those saved standing beside a sea of glass mingled with fire. Let your imagination just go for a moment. What does it see? This is not the first time in Revelation we read about this sea of glass mingled with fire. But let me tell you briefly why it is described this way. The best way to think about it, if I could use an illustration, is like one of those sightseeing boats that you might use if you travel in the tropics. Let's imagine that you go to the Bahamas, and one of the things you want to do is view what's underneath the sea. You want to view sea life, whatever is there in the Bahamas. I've not been there. But I'm imagining, even if it's not actually true, the water is clear There are all kinds of interesting and wild fish under there. Maybe there are coral. Are there coral in the Bahamas? I have no idea either. Let's just imagine there are. And you take this boat with a clear bottom and you go over all of these things. And you have the ability to see things as they truly are. You might even pass over a shark or over some other dangerous sea creature. And even though you're only separated from that thing by about this much, you have no reason to fear. Because there is a separation that keeps you safe. And the Sea of Crystal that sometimes we sing about is intended to show us that these saints are no longer on the earth, but they are further no longer subject to the effect of sin, the assaults the devil might bring against them while they are on earth. This is the sea of crystal that protects those who are around the throne. (laughs) Let me tell you how wonderful that is tonight. It's wonderful not because these people appeared before the throne of God and were simply separated. They certainly were from all the troubles of life. They were still saints, the holy ones, the ones called by God who were distinctively his own. It is wonderful even further because when these saints arrive before the throne, they are not only separated from the effect of sin. Listen to this. They are also separated from the possibility of, of any harm ever coming to them again. That time is over. It's past. There's no reason to fear for the future. Not that long ago, I was at an ultimate Frisbee game, and I was, sit- I was observing, not playing. <laughs> and you know how it is if you're a parent, you sit and watch and you chat up the people next to you. And I was talking to a woman who told me about her son who was a missionary in a part of the world that she said, I'm not going to describe it to you, it's a very dangerous place. If they knew he was a Christian there, it could be really bad for him. And not only was it her son, it was her daughter-in-law and their child. And I asked them the obvious question because I'm sort of Captain Obvious when it comes to to these conversations. I said, are you ever worried about them? And that seems like a very natural thing to ask in this world, I suppose. If you're a parent of a grown child, a child who has moved away from you, somebody who may have moved, let's say, to a place like that, it is natural to be concerned. Will they be okay? Will they be taken care of? And that sense that you have, that wondering you have, the sea of crystals meant to represent to us that that time of worry the concern that harm or trouble would come, it is gone. It is past, it is no more. And because of that, you can be patient. And these saints who struggled so much with the effect of sin while they were here, and now that time is past, they break out into a song of praise. And we've been singing a lot here tonight. And the second thing I want to explain to you is a song that we are singing. It's one of these songs in the book of Revelation. They come up now and again. And I have to say to you, it's kind of difficult for me just to read this song to you. I want to start singing like we just sang the Revelation song a moment ago. The reason I want to do that is because saying it hardly carries along with it the force of the emotion of the song. One of the beauties of singing is that you engage more than just your mouth. You're engaging your head and really your heart. And this song is meant to be sung because it engages all that we are. In other words, these saints who are singing, they're not simply saying truth. What they're doing is proclaiming the joy of what they have experienced, who God is. If I can just put it more colloquially, perhaps, they're pouring out their hearts to God. They're saying to God, this is who you are and what you have done. From a life of suffering and difficulty we lived in this world, we have arrived now in eternal life and we are more than overjoyed with where we have come because of you and what you have done they saying, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. If you're wondering tonight why we are talking about this with the third commandment, here's the reason. It's really simple. And that is, these two verses of Song summarize for us what it means for us to respond positively to the third commandment. Many of the commandments, when we read them, we think first in terms of what we're not supposed to do. First commandment don't worship any other gods. Second commandment don't worship God in a way he has not prescribed. Third commandment, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But every one of the commandments, not just the first three, but all ten, have not only a negative side, but a positive side. The positive side is this. If we are not to take his name in vain, we are instead to sing like they are singing here in the book of Revelation, to make known the greatness of who God is and what he has done. And that's why we're talking about the third commandment tonight. Because it's meant not only to be the negative, it's meant to be the positive. And the song that these saints are singing, a song that we are encouraged to join in, is a combination song. You might say it's a medley of sorts. It is the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb, it says. The song of Moses, you could go back to Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus chapter 15, you would find the song of Moses. It's a song that Moses sang because of the deliverance of God's people from the land of Egypt. That story in the Bible of deliverance from Egypt becomes the Old Testament paradigm of salvation. God's people in Egypt, they were oppressed spiritually and physically, and God hears their cry, and through 10 incredible plagues, the 10th most impressively, God divinely intervenes. And in that 10th commandment specifically, We see the atonement of blood that brings salvation. The blood covers God's people and keeps harm from coming to them. And in the rest of the Old Testament and into the New, this deliverance story is referred to over and over as an indication of God's great salvation plan. Do you want to know if Christ is coming? Do you want to know if God can save? Just look at the Egyptian story. The psalmists recall it. The prophets refer to it. And the Old Testament Israelites were trained to look forward to the Messiah by remembering that story. And in Exodus chapter 15, Moses sings a song because it is a summary of God's redemptive work in history. And that is combined with what is called the Song of the Lamb. The point is made even more specifically when John tells us the saints in glory are singing that song And they're singing it in a modified form to the Lamb of God. We read a similar song back in chapter 5, and again, it is about the ability of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, to do even more than what the Israelites experienced when they were delivered from Egypt. And the point is this, there's no one like the Lamb. There's no one who can do the work that the Lamb of God alone does. Can I just tell you, I am so delighted to point out to you perhaps something you've not realized yet, and that is why God would use this audience, the audience of those I previously, previously described, to sing a song like this. It is because those who have lived through the struggle of sin see with clarity the need for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. That that redemptive work, the story of God's work in Jesus Christ, is the great story that helps us understand all of the smaller narratives of our lives. It explains everything we're experiencing from creation, fall, redemption, and here in Revelation 15, the consummation that will come with his return. That great story is meant to sustain you in the middle of the greatest difficulties of your life, to give you patience as we live and walk and work and work in a world troubled by sin. And so tonight I say to you from the third commandment, sing the song, friends. Sing it with joy. There is nothing in this world that is greater than what is captured in the song of the Lamb. In fact, The song ends by saying, For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteousness, for your righteous acts have been revealed. There is coming a day when every single person, man, woman, and child will bow in humility to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And while we wait until that day is our day, you can sing without inhibition, Great. And amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. The themes of this song are impressive. It moves from the present to the future. It moves from the people of God to the all-encompassing effect of the salvation that Jesus Jesus Christ brings. But it is meant to inspire in you and me and everyone who reads this song A fulfillment of the third commandment that instead of taking God and his work lightly, instead we take God and his work with the greatest seriousness that leads to the greatest joy. And that, my friends, is the third commandment. Let's pray. Father, again, we are deeply grateful to you for your word and all that it teaches us. And tonight we are grateful especially for this passage from Revelation chapter 15, where we see the ultimate significance of the name of our God, that you have done great things in history. The saints before us are singing it at this moment. In fact, Hebrews says, when we worship you, we are caught up into the heavenly places where we join our voices with the voices of those who have gone before. If you placed us within a Christian family and community, Lord, we can think of people who have already preceded us into glory that are singing the song of Moses to the Lamb. And, Lord, it is our joy tonight to join our voices with them and to sing, Jesus Christ is great. The name of our Lord is not a light thing. Instead, the name of our Lord is the greatest thing. Lord, we give you praise for the greatness of your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to sing together. I was waiting for one more song it's also true that i was kind of caught up in the moment there (laughs) wow before you leave go with this blessing of the lord this comes from the end of the book of isaiah where he says go knowing for as the new heavens and the new earth that i make will certainly come so that your offspring and your name remains forever from new moon to new moon and from sabbath to sabbath All flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. Go in the power of your King. Amen.